Coming to you live from the brand new state-of-the-art AFB studios, you're listening to the Action Figure Blues podcast, episode number 60, for the week of Wednesday, the 17th of April, 2013. I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. And this episode is brought to you by ShelfLife.net and ActionFigureBlues.com. Tonight, our Toy of the Week is the Sideshow Collectibles Storm premium format figure, and we have some interviews from the floor of the 2013 G.I. Joe convention, and we celebrate the life of Carmine Infantino by looking at DC Direct's Flash of Two Worlds statue. Ben, how are you? I'm very well. And yourself? I'm well, thanks. It's just the two of us tonight. It is indeed. Just the uh, the only the strong will survive. That's right. We've had a we've gone from four to two in a short period of time, but we can do it. We can make this work. I'm sure. <laughs> I'm so surprised. Ha- I was going to say I'm surprised you've got any energy left. Uh, well, yeah, I've had a busy. I haven't been on the show for a couple of weeks because we moved house um, into the house that I've been talking about forever that we've been building. And, uh, I also changed jobs and started a new job. Um, just, you know, because doing one stressful thing at once would be a bit ridiculous. So I did too. Um, but it's all gone really well. So I'm tired, but happy. Very good. We're still going through that. Um, you know, moving into a new house and what furniture goes where and moving things around constantly phase. Um, but I'm sure we'll get over it eventually. (laughs) making sure everybody's happy with the choice of cupboard that the crockery goes in and things like that. Yeah, we've been pretty good. It's just kind of, you know, you have those couple of odd things that don't necessarily fit or, um, you know, what's going to go where. So mainly <laughs> we have the, you know, for the, the extra bedroom slash um, everyone's got an idea of what it should be slash it's where all the stuff that we can't work out where to go is at the moment. <laughs> um, room, which is where I'm recording right now here in the state of the art AFB studios. Um, so, but we're, besides this room, um, we're getting there <laughs> and, and Stand. we also have got super fast internet. Hoorah. So we're, we're both on the super fast internet now. Yes. And, uh, by the sounds of things here in Australia, we may have gotten in just in time. If, um, yes, <laughs> the new government, which is very likely to come in, I'm sure has their way. They're going to do the rest of this um, national broadband network rollout cheaper and slower. That's right. Yeah. Hurrah. Hurrah. So yay us. Yeah. Oh, look, I'm thrilled. Absolutely thrilled. <laughs> we are now talking so fast on the internet that we actually have to slow this down for you to listen to it. Yeah. That, that's how fast it is. Yeah. So, so besides super fast internet, how have you been? Not too bad. Nothing terribly exciting to report. Oh. Can you make something up just to fill in time? <laughs> you didn't come down to Melbourne to see Barbara Eden at Supernova. I didn't. I didn't. Mm. Actually, one thing I want to mention, I don't know if other people do this, but I have this really bad habit of being aware of when things are due to come out and then completely forgetting about it. So I'll, I'll, 
I'll look something up and I'll go, oh, okay, that comes out on the 10th of April. That's awesome. I'm, I can't wait to get that. And then there'll be like a countdown, countdown. Oh, it's going to come out in four days. Oh, it's out in two days. Oh, it's out on Thursday. And then the next thing is like the following week and I've completely forgotten about it. So what have you missed? Oh, no, I, I do that with uh, movie releases and oh, yeah. CD releases. Um, there's a, a band called Device for anyone who's interested, which is um, the the band, um, the lead singer Dave Draymond from Disturbed. That's his uh, his new band and new album, and I was really excited to get the album, and then I completely forgot about it until someone told me. <laughs> I, I just hope other people do that too. I've never done that. Excellent. Thanks ah, very much. No worries. Well, we've got a bit of a different show tonight, not just because there's only two of us, um, but we've got a, a few different segments. Um, we have our normal toy of the week, but then our discussion is going to be a look at a different toy, which has come about after the um, very sad passing of comics legend Carmine Infantino. We'll get to that at the end of the show. But we also have uh, some reports from our good friend John from the floor of the 2013 G.I. Joe convention. Uh, he did some recording and chatting to people at that show, and we're going to put that into this episode as well. So a bit of a mishmash of things tonight. But as, yeah, but as always, we will get things started with some articulated news. Evil Doc Terror and hacker battle Centurions Max Ray and Ace McCloud. The Centurions call for more powerful weapons. Energize. Max gets title blast. Ace gets orbital interceptor. They strike back with added firepower. Max by sea. Ace by air. Centurions! Power Extreme! Man Machine! Figures are shown, other toys sold separately, new from Kenner. Before we get to our main features, we start each episode with a bit of news. Articulated news is where we discuss the latest events and announcements in the toy and collectibles world. This isn't meant to be a comprehensive toy news service. We're not talking about everything that happened this week, just the stuff that we're interested in that we like or hate or feel less than ambivalent about. Um, and I'm starting off with the uh, DC Collectibles solicits that came out this week. Quite a swag of stuff, not all stuff that is my cup of tea. Um, <laughs> a lot on the action figure side. Some of them are reissues. It's, they're reissuing some of the Hush action figures in a couple yeah. of sets, which is great for people that um, like Hush and never had those. Um, I don't think there's anything new in either of the sets. We've got a Nightwing, Poison Ivy, and Scarecrow set. I'm actually quite interested to see if this is going to start a bit of a trend for them because um, I know the Huntress in the Hush series is particularly difficult to get yeah. um, because she fits in so nicely with, uh, you know, your DC Universe classics. So I yeah. think people would be um, quite keen to get hold of that because she's a really nice figure. Yeah. The um, other set is um, the Joker, Harley Quinn, and the Scuba Batman or whatever that <laughs> is that I, I can't remember. That's the only one of the originals I didn't own um and that, what is it called it's I, I look i forget what he's actually called but every time i look at that figure he just looks like in, in his um, grandma's jammies you know like the the, the jammies that yeah, grandma yeah, yeah, knitted yeah, yeah, for yeah. him and then he's got like his rebreather i think he's called stealth, stealth. jumper or i'm something sorry like. it's it's scuba batman there's no like um but the harley quinn actually looks uh maybe a little bit different yeah she looks quite um glossy yeah metallic um, there you go. My, my Hush Harley Quinn broke, um, cause the, her little arms are so thin and mm. uh, one of her <laughs> elbows came apart. So I 
but I'm probably not going to not if, if I have to buy scuba Batman to get her I'm probably not going to spend the money I wonder if the uh, the legions of um, DC new fans that have jumped on board since the relaunch take one look at that and go who's that that's right that's not Harley Quinn <laughs> no, that's a dumb costume um, and then some solicits for figures that we already knew were coming new 52 black manta which looks great um, new 52 scary face joker uh, which will keep you up at night um new 52 captain cold who i'm sorry mm. just looks ridiculous i love the um ice spike fist thing yeah but um that's he just does not look good to me the the vest the no. the, the yeah. weird russian kind yeah. of beanie hat that he's wearing it just yeah. but, I, but i'm sorry like I think the 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 beanie hat you know thing, which obviously you wear because it's cold, doesn't really match with the no sleeves. Yeah, you know, like if it's that cold. <laughs> yeah, I'm but sorry. he's wearing the vest, so it keeps his core temperature up. Oh, is that it? There you go. <laughs> um, then a couple of things that I don't think we knew were coming um, when we get into the the statue line. Um, the next in the Man of Steel metallic Superman line. It's a Frank Quietly Superman that looks great, although I'm sure too shiny for you. Um, I just don't think it's necessary. I don't, you know, Superman's never had a metallic-looking costume, um, and particularly based on Frank Quietly's designs, he, he never had that kind of shiny costume, so I'm just not quite sure what the point of it is. It's the, it's the thing of the line. It's like Batman, black and white, Man of yeah. Steel looks metallic. Uh, so it's meant to be, oh, okay. Yes. Uh, that's really clever. I love it. I yeah. love it. He's got a very odd expression. He looks quietly-esque. He looks like he's just passed wind and he's hoping no one noticed. <laughs> well, th- that too. Um, and then speaking of bl- Batman, Blackman, speaking of Bat- <laughs> <laughs> speaking of Blackman, speaking of Batman black and white, we are getting a Greg Capullo um, jo- a Batman and Joker statue. Um, and, yeah, I'm not going to get these. I quite like the Greg Capullo Batman. I, like, I think, but I, I, yeah, I, I think it's very clever the way he's stepping off the base to something a little bit different. But uh, I mean, for me, you know, it's a par- easy pass because it's the, the DC new costume. Exactly. That's what but, I mean. Like, I I don't need that Joker for sure because that's just way too creepy um, as a statue. Like uh, the figure I might get, but the I don't need that as a statue. Yeah, um, it's great. Like it's it's really really well done, and I think it'll probably be, you know, it'll sell well. But I don't I don't need that. Um, but it, the, I, I really look at that, um, Cupolo Batman, I think it's probably because of the crouching, whatever. And I just miss the black briefs. Yeah. You know, yeah. like I really, it, it, it looks, he looks like not completely dressed. <laughs> it looks me. like moody Batman. He does. Yeah. I just, I think in the black and white, it just kind of stands out. Like, so I, I don't know. I, I might change my mind because Coppolo <laughs> is going to be one of the iconic Batman artists, like, for sure. So I might change my mind, but I just look at it and go, eh. Um, I'm a goddamn nudie Batman. Not nudie Batman. Um, also on the statue side, a couple of things. Another thing that we knew was coming was the um, DC Bombshells Poison Ivy statue, um, which there were sneaks of that happening when we interviewed Tim Miller about this line. Um, she looks great. Yeah, nice pose. Nice pose. I, I'm probably not going to jump into this line just because, you know, boundaries and got to draw the line somewhere. Um, but I think they're just beautiful. 
beautiful. They are, but I mean, the the thing that just kills it for me is the thing that kills it for for most statues that I immediately say no to, and that is that huge name plate on the bottom. It just it doesn't work for me. It never has. You know, I, I don't need a, a huge. I mean, the, the name plate is actually covering, um, you know, her legs. Mm. Um, I normally really object to the name plates because it's like, thank you, I know who that is. Mm. Um, but and on these, because it's, you know, it's the art that they're based off of, and it's oh, yeah. linking to, you know, that that artist. I kind of, I don't, I give that a pass on this line, but I'm normally with you on that. Like, mm. and particularly on things like a seven hundred dollar sideshow life size bust. Yeah. I'm like, I think if I'm spending seven hundred dollars on it, I know it's Captain America. Thank you very much. I don't need mm. that pointed out to me. Um, but yeah. Um, also, the next in the Watchmen. Um, statue line Ozymandias, um, which is really clever. Yeah, oh, that's perhaps. so clever. I'm not, I'm not getting these, but um, that that's the first one I've seen that has made me think. Oh gosh, I wish I was collecting these, but I'm not gonna. They're um, very nice. They're beautiful. Um, the next in the completely uninspired new Cover Girls line, Supergirl. Um, I'm just so disappointed with these. Yeah. Not just because they're New 52 designs, because I actually don't, you know, I don't mind it. It's just that they, they're they just, they shouldn't be called cover girls. Mm. They shouldn't be called cover girls. No, I mean, this is just an easy pass for me. I, I look at this. I'm, I don't actually have any problems with the Supergirl we got. I mean, this is a beautiful pose. I think it it's is. very clever the way it's done, the way it, the... Um, the post uh, in her toe is is suspending her, and it looks like she's just sort of hovering. It's it's a great looking pose, but it's a character that I already have, and in a style that's not as good as the one I have. See, I don't mind the like, uh, you know, I I would get a couple of these because I do like the costumes, and I don't mind having repeat characters. But I just don't feel that they have anywhere near the level of complexity and humor and um story to them that the Adam Hughes ones do. Mm-hmm. Like to me they were you know, they they were great, not just because they were well sculpted, because they were just so cleverly designed. You just can't beat Black Canary cracking her knuckles. No way. No way. You know, just like so clever. Whereas there's absolutely nothing wrong with these and if they weren't called cover girls statues, I wouldn't have a problem with them. Yeah. But they're just not no. So there you go. I do think this is clever, like you know, like you said, because she looks like she's airborne. Um, but no. And what else are we going to talk about from this lot? I th- oh, there's an Arkham City black and white Batman as well, which breaks some of the black and white rules because he's got blood on him, <laughs> or blood on his um, fist. So obviously. He punched someone from the not black and white world. Oh, wait. I almost forgot the most exciting bit of all. is the second edition of the Batman versus Killer Croc statue. I was wondering what was happening there. You were starting to frighten me. Wow. That's just as I just thought about it so much. It feels like old news, but it's not. Hurrah. I Look, seriously, I am so glad that I have never been able to bring myself to pull the trigger on the ridiculous eBay prices that this thing goes for when it's on eBay, which is very rare, um, particularly when you put in then shipping from the U.S. as well. Yeah. Um, like, you know, as in, here in Australia, I think you could easily pay $1,000 to get the original one. 
Um, so I am over the moon. I don't care that this is the more modern version. It's not a new 52 Batman. It's just a, you know, more modernized version. He's still got the briefs, etc. but I'm, I'm so over this. I've already got it pre-ordered. I'm so, yeah. so over it. Oh, I think the Batman looks great, modern or otherwise. I mean, that's, that's a modern croc. So yeah. they, yeah. they fit nicely. Hmm. Yeah. I'm delighted. I love these DC direct DC collectibles. Um, you know, two character fighting statues. I think they're just awesome, and this is going to look great in my display. Yeah, I'm actually quite. I'm actually very. Um, <clears throat> I'm looking forward to when you review it, just to see whether the the coloring on Croc's scales and and the bandages on his forearms, etc. Uh, are, are really as good as the promo shots because that's mm. some insane detailing. They've it really is, gone yeah. to town. It is. Yeah, yeah no, I'll, I'll be looking forward to that. And <clears throat> one thing I do like about what uh, on what's happened on the DC Collectibles is that they now do solicits with a much shorter time frame. So this is coming out in July. Oh, that's um, not too bad. Yeah, no, which is great. Like, so, you know, they, they don't do the... Uh, this will come out someday. Stuff that a lot of the other companies do, that, and um, so and with this one on Glex, I don't have to wait. Yep. Anyway, that's just my first bit of news. Uh, but that, you know, that's a lot to talk about. Um, on the Marvel Select side, hey, did you know that there's an Iron Man three movie coming out? I had no idea. Hey, caramba! <laughs> so the, I I don't know if these are the same. Um, I. Diamond Select Iron Man three things that we've always been seeing that, but we have a an Iron Man, um, Mark Bazillion and twelve whatever that is, mm-hmm. um, with with Tony Stark face, and a War Machine with Rhodey face, um, neither of which I feel the need to own. Um, they both have really thin torsos. The War Machine in particular to me looks really odd because his yeah. belly is so tiny. Yeah, and the waist. He looks yeah, very... the waist is just so tiny. Yeah. And I think he um, he looks very light on for guns as well. I mean, that could just be the way he's portrayed in the film, but yeah. he's just got that sort of one little <clears throat> weird thing sitting on his shoulder and that's it. Yeah. And uh, speaking of Iron Man 3, um, there's a little company called Hot Toys which seems to be getting on oh, the man. Iron Man 3 bandwagon. How many Iron Man... Things are they uh, making? This one's what is hot, this? Hot toys are single-handedly making me wish this film was over and done with. <laughs> That's all they're soliciting at the moment. Is is hot? Here's some hot toys for the new Iron Man film, and oh, and here's some hot toys for Iron Man films of days gone by. Yeah, um, the new one that they've solicited is a Battle Damage Mark Three movie promo edition, but it's actually an Avengers. Um, one and it has got a um dead chitari base you know which everyone's been clamoring for um <laughs> so that oh, i just think that's a bit weird really um but there you know there you go um so that's sorry that isn't an iron man 3 that's an avengers one but they're uh, these are so expensive that i can't imagine people buying all of these um, I mean, from from what I can tell by the people who get around on the, the various action figure forums 
you, you know, a lot of people are just hot toys collectors now. You know, there's a couple of guys on, on Action Figure Blues who just mm-hmm. seem to collect mainly hot toys. Yep. Uh, so, you know, perhaps they can, you know, get it together um, just for that. But it's, gee, you'd, you'd have to be making some serious bucks to commit to hot toys as well as everything else. Yeah, I, I just wonder, like... I mean, I know I, I'm more open-minded than you are about having multiple versions of characters in the same line, but um, but so many Iron Men. I don't mind it in action figure form. You know, for example, I've got all the Marvel Legends Iron Man figures, and it's fun having them. And I've, I've obviously got the ones that came out for the, um, the various movies. Yeah, and yeah, that's great because you know you're talking fifteen bucks a pop, but when you're talking three hundred bucks for an action figure. Yeah, yeah. I, I'd, so there you go. I, I, I guess devotees of the Hot Toys Iron Men will be thrilled. Um, and in some not Iron Men news, Mezco <laughs> is the latest company to announce a Batman Classic TV license. Um, and they're going to be doing Batman and Robin Mez Its, which are the little Mezco people, and a Batmobile. <laughs> um so and they, they've also got the rest of the rogues gallery coming i think so um, they look fun yeah they look fun that that's might be an easy one to jump onto since you know particularly for the the batmobile since i certainly won't be getting a hot toys classic batmobile um mm. I, the hot toys figures may well i have to may i may well have to pull the trigger on those but um that they're cute anyway there you go they are they are and that's my news what well, about you, Ben? S- speaking of cute. Oh, thank you. Yeah. Uh, oh. In addition to, to that, uh-huh. um, we actually have some uh, some Hellboy 5-inch Mini Quee figures. Uh, Mini Quee coming in at 5 inches. These are actually Series 2 are, Hellboy. Does Mini Quee imply that there are... Regular quee? Yes, I don't. I can't remember how big the the regular quees are, but they're a, a good size. They're kind of like mighty mugs, kind of sized. There you go. Um, this is series two, and it features three figures. And uh, it's a bit of a bummer if you were a Hellboy fan, took an interest in these, and you couldn't find the first series because um, you get three figures. One's a grey monotone Hellboy. Mm-hmm. Uh, you get a Hellboy with horns, so that one's sort of, well, when I say fully painted, he's red with the yellow eyes, et cetera, et cetera. And then there is a do-it-yourself uh, a Hellboy, which is basically just white, and you can paint him up yourself. So it's a bit of a bummer because if you just wanted a plain old, you know, regular Hellboy, you'd actually have to go looking for Series 1 because yeah. the the only one of the three that's actually red um, has the long horns. And if you wanted the short, you know, ground-down horns... So yeah, a bit of a bummer, but um, yeah, look, they sell for twenty bucks, and they're coming from Dark Horse Comics. They're twenty bucks. They're twenty bucks for a five-inch mini quee. Hooly dooly! Uh, that seems to—I don't know—anything with designer vinyl yeah, just yeah. seems to attract some kind of a premium for some bizarre reason. So anyway, on to uh, premiums. I see how I did that there. You see what I did? See, see how I segued like that? So clever. <clears throat> anyway, uh, our good buddies at Sideshow Toys have um, very, very quickly uh, put out a bit of a sneak and then solicited within a matter of days after the sneak a Punisher Sideshow exclusive premium format statue. 
Now, this is a continuation of their one-quarter scale uh, series. Um, and one of the things we've actually talked about over the last sort of dozen or so podcasts is the fact that the, the, the I guess, the series um, or, or the style of statue that Sideshow referred to as a premium format statue doesn't necessarily mean you actually get um, material on the statue that used to be just, mm. um, you know, an, an exclusive to the original premium format, but this particular Punisher premium format statue is covered in material, yeah. um, literally head to toe. He's got his black bodysuit. Um, he's kind of billed as a, a classic costume, uh, though he's got these weird kind of extra braces on that, that aren't necessarily um, a classic from what I can remember. Um, it's a, it's a good-looking statue, but the, the thing that disappointed me was I immediately jumped straight in and went, oh, this is going to be awesome, we're going to get this... Um, Sideshow exclusive with a swap out head and a mm. different gun. You know, you'd be able to swap out the right hand. And basically the the extent of the Sideshow exclusive is that the left hand um, can be swapped out to be holding a knife. Yeah, that, I don't get that. Uh, that's that's poor. I mean, you're talking about a $360 statue here. The Sideshow Premium format statues have been creeping up and up in price. Um, you know, they're now hitting 360 And the thing is, the hand is not even in, in a different pose. Yeah. You, you've simply got one that's got a, a knife sticking out of it and one that doesn't. Um, and, and look, you know, he comes armed with a um, an AA-12 shotgun, which, you know, for, for those people that might remember, that's the one that Terry Crews was using in the Expendables films. Um, and so, you know, he looks fantastic with that. But, you know, if you wanted to swap that out to something a bit more subtle, um, you don't really have a choice. You're stuck with this gigantic automatic shotgun. Um, the the head on this statue um, is very reminiscent of his first appearance. It does have that sort of classic look. But I really thought, you know, we might actually get a swap out head that was just that little bit more modern, um, give you the option. I know this is a classic costume, but um, I don't know. I don't know. I, I, I like it, but I'm just, they just didn't sell me on it. Expecting a head swap because I can't imagine Punisher is a character that they're going to necessarily come back to anytime soon. So it seemed to me that it could have been an opportunity to, you know, give a slightly more modern, yeah, you because know, his costume stayed consistent for a long time. It did, yeah. Um, so you could have put in a, um, a slightly more modern head and probably drawn in more people because certainly if you are not a classic comics fan, I think, I don't think you would look at that and immediately go, Hey, that's Punisher. Yeah. And and the thing is we've actually had a Punisher uh, premium format statue before. It was one of the very first statues that Sideshow actually did. And it was, um, it was basically styled after the Tim Bradstreet, uh, version of the Punisher, which is a lot more casual. He just wears pants, a T-shirt, and the trench coat. Um, but then uh, a few years ago, we actually got the Punisher comic hit um, based oh, yeah. on yeah. Ar- Ariel Olivetti's work. And I've got that statue, and it's one of my favourites. It's just superb in, in every possible way. So mm. I don't know. I'll, I'll have to think about this one a bit more. I mean, this might be one that, that I can, you know, happily let go. I don't need to jump in now and get the Sideshow exclusive. Um, you know, I can just wait and uh, if I change my mind so i can seek it out through other sources Hmm, yeah fair enough fair enough all right um in some other news uh our good buddies the four horsemen have um come up with a bit of a clever way to continue their gothotropolis 
series uh, for those people who have been following that. That's their their own license. Um, they've done a few different or sort of series, I guess, in in the Gothotropolis line. Uh, but their new one is actually uh, bird based, I guess you'd call it. It's it's the you know the the standard sort of um, Larry, you know, Egyptian inspired armor sort of thing. Mm. Only this time with the bird theme, we're getting all these different figures with different heads. So we've got ravens and owls and roosters and vultures, and <laughs> it's even a pretty cool looking duck with a helmet on it. <laughs> but um, the one thing that the horsemen are doing this time is they're actually soliciting these as a Kickstarter mm. program. So if you're interested, go over to Kickstarter, and I'm sure if you type in Gothotropolis, it'll, uh, yeah, because, you know, that's an easy word to spell. <coughs> um, Gothotropolis Raven, I'm sure, is what'll come up. So um, I actually haven't been to the, the page for about a week now, so I'm not sure where it's at. But um, certainly, you know, if you enjoy this line, then go and support it, and uh, you might be able to get yourself something uh, pretty special, depending on how much you're willing to commit. Very good. The uh, toy Kickstarter thing is... Um, all the rage, isn't it? It is, it is, yes. Hmm. And finishing off our news, oh dear, the saga. The saga <laughs> continues. Honestly, it's it's like one of those really, really bad episodes of Dr. Phil that you just happen to flick over and you just can't tear yourself away. You know it's average you know, you know it's really ordinary television and it's a it's a crappy subject, but you just have to watch because it's a train wreck unfolding. <laughs> What is it, you ask? Well, it's our good friends at Maddie Collector. Um, those of you who actually have a subscription with Maddie at the moment, you will more than likely have received an email from them uh, with a quick survey asking you about uh, shipping options. Um, it's a very simple survey. It's got one question. It's got two possible answers, um, and that is, would you possibly consider having your figures shipped quarterly and having them combined into one shipment with a lower total cost than if your three individual monthly figures um, were shipped to you and billed to you individually. Now, I, I guess on on the surface, um, you know, it's it's a question that's worth asking. But unfortunately, the way Maddie has set up this survey, the the examples they've used, they've just thrown numbers around to say, you know, would you be prepared to say, you know, spend $15 shipping for three months worth of figures um, if they're sent to you all at once or, you know, $10 per month on individual figures? Uh, and this really pisses me off because if you really interested in my uh, opinion, you would have given me exact numbers. I mean, you know, rather than spending $10 a month, well, I don't pay $10 a month. I pay nearly 14 friggin' dollars to have a, a figure shipped to me from China. So no, I don't pay $10 a month. I pay $14 a month. So, you know, I want to see a total that reflects a significant saving on three times 14. Mm-hmm. To me, that survey and the way that it was constructed just communicates how much they don't actually get the frustrations of dealing with them. You know, it was like, but it it takes so long already for these things to get to me that the thought of having to wait, you know, even longer, um, is, does not appeal. It doesn't, you know, it doesn't, I mean, like, I understand that, you know, giving the idea of giving the options, etc. But it just, I just read it and go, oh, seriously. Like, how about you just kind of be less crappy? And like, when you're 
when you're giving answers to people's questions and you're blatantly lying or you're telling what you think is the truth when it's not. And the example that came to mind is a few weeks ago when we awarded the red card to Maddie's communications promotional team because people were really pissed off that their shipments were taking so long to get to them and then they find out that their shipments are going via Sweden and Maddie's team comes out and says, oh, no, they're not. They're just going through a Swedish post office in California. Seriously? What what the hell is a Swedish post office? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty laughable. We're just not red carding them because we do it so often, but <laughs> it's just they too probably easy. deserve it. So yeah. there you go. And that's the end of my news. Oh, great. Well, on that happy note, <laughs> um, that does wrap up Articulated News, and we're going to hand over to John for the next installment of the AFB podcast game. Name that. Howdy all, John, a.k.a. Engineer Nerd here with this week's installment of Name That. Um, If you're like our good friend Westy, you figured out that last week's sound, which sounded like this. Pursuit, one, rollerblades for serious non-action, two, street luge action for flat-out speed, three, real fire and grappling hook for awesome abseil action. Was from an action man roller extreme figure with three different modes. (laughs) Yeah, I know, but... Um, I don't have this figure, but you know, imagine some of you out there might. For this week, I was inspired by something um, that's maybe in theaters. Um, I, meh, I'm not going to give you a hint after all. I'll just let you listen to it. Spines and teeth and tails, jaws and horns and sails. We can play with them real rough. I'll let you listen to it one more time. Spines and teeth and tails, jaws and horns and sails. If you think you know what this sound is, come on over to the AFB forum and leave us a guess or visit the AFB Facebook page and leave us a guess there because, you know, I always say guessing is fun and sometimes guessing helps out other people. Thanks, guys. Talk to you next week. Dragon Ball Z, the saga continues. Cosmic evil is on the rise. You and your friends are Earth's only hope. Will Goku and Trunks Super Saiyan power be enough this time? Gohan's in danger until Team Dragon Ball Z joins the fight. But wait, it's Evil Freeze! The Earth is still in trouble. Your friends are in for the fight of their life, but you won't let them down. The fate of the world depends on it, each sold separately. Well, now it's time for one of our feature segments, Toy of the Week, where we take turns looking at one toy or collectible in detail. And Ben, you have the Toy of the Week this week, so over to you. Well, thank you very much. In this episode, we're looking at the Sideshow Collectibles premium format Storm statue. Yay! Now, that is Storm from the X-Men, if you uh, haven't quite clued in. Um, This is an interesting one. This is one that's been highly anticipated by both Scott and myself for a couple of reasons. Um, Probably first and foremost is we just love the premium format X-Men line, so, you know, that's pretty much a win. 
Um, this is Storm and her classic costume, so that's a win. But uh, we had the, uh, the the great pleasure of interviewing Mark Newman, the sculptor, mm-hmm. for this piece uh, some episodes ago, and he was a, a most generous guest, um, a lot of fun to talk to. Um, and we, we really got the opportunity to talk to him about this piece and... Just as um, the solicitations were hitting and and we had the interview with Mark, there was a bit of negative press getting around the internet uh, about the, the the promo shots that were shown and, and Mark said it was quite disappointing because he didn't have any control over sort of the angle of the photos or, or anything like that. That's completely at the discretion of um, the Sideshow team. And um, it really did get some negative press about the, the face uh, on Storm at that time there was just a, a single um, head shown. She comes with two, but we'll get to that later. Uh, and people were really complaining about the, I guess, the the overemphasis um, of her features. Um, she is sculpted to, to look like a, a traditional African female. And, uh, yeah, it really got some, I don't know, it was, it was quite unfortunate. And, and Mark even uh, took to the internet to even address some of the comments. And, he, you know, he said to people, just, you know, dude, just calm down, all right? Like, just, you know, you haven't seen the final <laughs> shot yet. That's just a prototype. Just, you know, don't panic, basically. Um, I didn't have any problems with the way it was done. Um, Mark has in the past... Um, been contracted to sculpt some beautiful statues for a, a company in America that feature um, African-American people in everyday life, uh, and he's done quite a few statues in that series, and I think he just captures the, the features of, of an African, like, an you know, a, I guess an Indigenous African person beautifully. Hmm. Um, he, he really did. And so you know, to think of anyone else sculpting this statue um, is, is a bit abhorrent, really, because he, he's the go-to guy. So uh, with with no trepidation whatsoever, I pre-ordered the um, exclusive edition, uh, as did you, Scott. I sure did. Excellent. And as uh, Sideshow usually um, goes, that was about a nine-month wait or something like that. They, they really do solicit these quite far in advance. Mm. Um, so it's uh, it's it's quite the the build up really, especially if you use Sideshow's FlexPay system, because you, every um, month or so you get this little email to say, "Hey, we've billed you for uh, you know another portion of your Storm statue," and you're like, "Damn it! How long do I have to wait for this thing?" <laughs> but anyway, she has arrived, and I think Scott and I got ours about two weeks apart because um, I always set my my Sideshow FlexPay to bill um, at the end of the month for some bizarre reason, and so yeah, we got ours about. Um, <laughs> two weeks apart all right so she's here we have her we're going to be talking about her so the year of release was 2013 and the year of acquisition was also 2013 now this is a premium format statue as i mentioned and it is limited to just 500 pieces i'm not sure what the regular edition is limited to but uh, this one is just 500 and i think mine is 239 or something mine is 468 468 there you go i know um, in addition to being sculpted by Mark Newman, this is painted by Dave Fisher. So Dave is a guy that, that paints up the prototype that, that goes to the factory so they can use that as the, the basis to do the rest of them. Um, and we'll get to that later. Now, packaging. Uh, obviously, this being a statue comes in a, a box. And given the number of pieces and the size of the statue, um, you know, the box is actually reasonably compact. Uh, I was quite surprised. Um, 
Probably the, the biggest thing I noticed with this is that it actually comes with a three-piece styrofoam insert. So normally statues just have the two pieces. You, you cut the, um, the tape around you know, the join and you just lift the top off and, you know, you're left with um, the statue within. But because she has so many pieces, she actually comes in a two layers, I guess. So there's, there's three pieces of foam and two layers of statues. Um, I think I've got one other statue that comes like that. And that always sends me into a bit of a panic because you're just never really quite sure which bit to open where. And Sideshow generously put the word top on the top of one side. <laughs> um, and you would actually stop and go, well, okay, Sideshow know what they're doing. You know, thanks very much. That's, that's where you start. But in, in truth, if you lift off the piece that says top, you're immediately presented with the body of Storm as well as um, one of the two heads and the various hands. Mm. But for me, that's actually a bit of a fail because the first thing I do with any statue is I do the base. Mm. I straight away, I go find the base, I take it out, I put it down on a, on a nice sort of um, steady surface then I go for the main body and then I go for any sort of accoutrements that go to that. So that was a bit weird because I, I took the top off, then I lifted her out and thought, oh, okay, and then I gently sort of balanced her on the couch while I, you know, dug around for, for the base. But anyway, so um, just, you know, just something to note whenever you get one of these things. And yep. it also makes it a lot more difficult to get everything back together because it's hard enough getting two-piece foam to go back together smoothly, let alone a three-piece. I've unpacked mine twice because I unpacked her before we moved and then... Re, she's one of the only things I have re-unpacked. Um, <laughs> and it is – I mean, it's, what I do like about the packaging is that they've managed to keep it fairly compact um, by putting those layers in, um, yeah. which, you know, I I like from a space-saving and environmental perspective. But it is yeah. challenging when, you know, you, you've got different layers, and but you may not actually have the pieces that you'd need to start with. Um, yeah. And I got caught out on that even when I put it together the second time. Yeah, but look, it is nicely packaged. She she mm. sits in the uh, the tray quite well. Each of the hands is in its own little, I guess, um, cavity or, or cell with a piece of um, padded foam that's sort of packed over the top so it can't actually come out and it also prevents it rattling around, which mm -hmm. is really nice. Um, the actual box itself is, um, it's kind of hard to say really. The, the boxes are, I guess, assorted shades of blue, which is crisscrossed by lightning bolts and sort of dead centre, you've got the, the logo for, for Storm's name sort of, you know, blasting out at you. And it's the same logo, I think, that was actually on her miniseries by um, Warren Ellis and Terry Dodson some years ago. Um, so it's, it's pretty plain, really. There isn't a single image uh, of Storm whatsoever. Um, so I, I don't know. What do you think? Yeah, I, I don't get too caught up on the packaging of these because, you know, you, it's certainly not something that you keep to, the, to display. I think... Um, you know, it's a bit more interesting. I, I don't mind actually not having her on the the box. Like, it didn't. It didn't bother me. I was too busy ripping it open. <laughs> Look, I think for us it's probably perfectly fine. But if you were a retail store and, and space was at a bit of a sure, premium, yeah, 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 it's the sort of thing you could pop on the shelf, have the best picture facing out, and you could at least give the casual, you know, buyer a, a bit of a, a look at what they're getting. I mean, uh, if someone walked into your shop, you'd, you know, you'd have no choice but to have this thing open and out and on display if you really wanted to sell it. Yeah, fair enough. So, fair enough. 
Yeah, but anyway, look, she is quarter scale, which means that including her base, uh, she taps out at 20 inches or 51 centimetres for us civilised folk. Um, She is quite large. These these figures are big. I've got the premium format Colossus and being quarter scale, he's gigantic. I mean, Mm. you... You really are limiting how many statues you can display in a in sort of like a, a cabinet um, with these guys because they're they're just huge in height. So, anyway, um, moving on, we're talking about articulation. Well, obviously, there's none because she's a statue. However, um, in complete contrast to the sideshow premium format Punisher we just talked about, Storm actually comes with lots of stuff. Mm. Um, Now, the most interesting is the swap-out head. Um, That is actually the exclusive. Um, Those regular buyers get a, um, I guess, calm storm. Can I say that? Is that a a bad pun? Uh, Uh, I don't know. (laughs) It's more of a tautology, isn't it? Anyway, um, look, we we get Storm in her traditional X-Men costume. Now, that is her first appearance costume where she has, I guess, what is effectively a a two-piece kind of leather outfit with the... um, that famous gold ring sort of on her belly holding the, the two pieces together plus the, the thigh-high boots. Um, now, she's wearing her traditional headpiece, which, I don't know, it doesn't seem to serve any real purpose other than look fancy. Maybe it keeps her hair out of her face. I don't know. But the, the regular head just has uh, Storm sort of quite calm. Her hair's just sort of gently flowing down behind her. We can see her eyes. Um, you know, you can see the, the irises in her eyes and the pupils, etc. And the exclusive is uh, the swap-out head, which is Angry Storm, um, <laughs> basically. And not only is the hair sort of flowing out everywhere um, to show that, you know, the, she's... Um, She's called forth the wind, etc. But uh, as seems to be quite common um, with drawing or illustrating Storm these days, when she uses her powers, um, her eyes turn white. So you've got Storm with this much sterner expression, uh, as well as the white eyes, completely white eyes. Um, so, so that's pretty good. So you've got the the choice of the two heads to display her. Now they're very easy to connect. Um, Sideshow are very good at using their. Oh, can I say magnets? Uh, magnets well you know americans refer to magneto from the x-men so i'm just trying to make them comfortable by saying magnets (laughs) Uh, um so look the they they work very well um i've actually played with with magnets during my customizing to hold certain you know bits together um these have just the right amount of strength to do their job but you know um not enough to you know lock into place so that you'll never get them out again so they're very easy to switch over which is good Um, we also get uh, a couple of hands. Her, her left hand comes uh, separate, uh, and she's only got the one left hand, but you'll have to attach that as well. Now, with the right hand, you get basically the same kind of deal. We get a, um, I guess you would call it a casual or a, a relaxed hand. Now, generally, you'd pose that with the palm facing up. Um, it looks like, you know, Storm is just sort of, you know, relaxing and calling forth a, a, a cooling shower. Yeah. Um, the hands, the fingers are just sort of slightly sort of curled. Um, but then we get a swap-out hand, which I'm not actually sure if that's an exclusive as well. Um, do you recall? No, I don't think so. I think the hands are... It's only yeah. the heads are the exclusive. Yeah. yeah. Well, well, this hand is um, one where you, I guess you generally pose it with the palm facing down, and it's um, what I'd refer to as the angry hand. Mm. 
Um, she's very much got the whole claw thing, like she's about to um, call down some lightning and, and, and sort of fry your buttons. So, um, but I guess the, the good thing about that is that that does give you quite a bit of um, posability. You, you get quite a few options there on, on how you want to display it. And, and just out of um, curiosity, when Scott and I were setting up our statues tonight, Scott's actually got the, um, the, the angry head and I've got the casual head uh, 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 for our discussions tonight. I like the white eyes better. I, I'm, I'm neither here nor there. Um, I, I like both of them. And, and, I mean, in the past where I've had options, um, sometimes one really jumps out more than the other and it's pretty much a given. Um, Colossus was like that as well as um, Rogue was much the same. But um, with this one, I'm pretty much 50-50, so, so that's really uh, a win for me because it, it really does double my options. So. It does. You can put them on a regular swapping program. That's right. That's right. Um, so the other big thing is she has her cloak, cape, whatever you'd like to call it, um, and this thing comes completely flat in the packaging. It's in its own little plastic bag, and it's uh, it's made of that sort of, uh, I guess, that, that vinyl-y plastic raincoat-type material. Um, and the cool thing is it actually has a wire frame um, around it, which means when you attach it via these little sort of, um, oh, I guess, sort of plug holes, uh, you really do have unlimited options in how you want to display it. And this is actually really, really quite clever because if you're displaying sort of the storm the way I've got her now with the, the casual look, you know, you want it a bit more demure and, and just sort of hanging down behind her. Um, however, if you've got the angry head like Scott's got displayed, you know, you really want to sort of um, whip that thing up a bit and, and make it look like it's it's billowing around and it's it's really quite clever. Yeah, I, I love it. I think it's a really nicely designed um piece you know sometimes capes fabric capes can be just annoying yeah um but this is truly posable yeah yeah it's a really um i don't know i mean this i'm just trying to think of another statue i've got with sort of this many options um sort of the swap out you know pieces really they they have gone above and beyond they have um yeah, look, moving on to paint, um, this has been a bit of a bugbear for me the last couple of years. There's been some real um, quality issues from um, just about every company, I think. And, you know, this piece, uh, you know, is pushing up into the 350 uh, US dollars. Actually, I think she was 325. She was the last of the premium format statues that retailed for that price before they jumped, um, jumped up in price. So... You know, when you're paying this kind of money, you, you really can get quite nervous that, um, you know, you've, you've, yeah, look, I think, yeah, it's hard to say, but look, this piece, at least for me, is is almost flawless. Yeah. Uh, the paint is absolutely superb. The, the one thing that makes you really nervous with a statue like this uh, is the skin tone. Um, she's displaying an awful lot of skin and, you know, look, she does have that particular colour. Um, you really do want them to get it right. And uh, I, I, I'm not quite sure how they achieved it, but they really have given it that that multi-shade um, hue. It's it's the only way to describe it. It really does um, look like, you know, that that brown flesh tone. It's um, it's absolutely gorgeous. It is beautiful. It's It's absolutely beautiful. Yeah, and I guess the the other good thing is, 
you know, normally Storm's costume is, is shown um, to be kind of like a leather-like appearance and so they could have easily gone with um, quite a, um, a slick finish on the black of her costume, but they haven't. They've gone for a bit of a matte finish and that actually complements the, the skin quite well because it, it really does make up, you know, the majority of the, um, the colours here, the brown and the black. And uh, the, the cut lines are quite good where they, there's not, a, you know, occasionally there's a tiny bit of slop, but the good thing is it's... In, in a few tiny areas for me, the brown's just gone onto the black and that's actually much preferable than the other way around because that, you know, for those people who really are quite finicky, they could go in and touch that up quite easily. But mm-hmm. mine is is not even noticeable. Um, e- even the little things like the, the gold ring that attaches the two pieces of costume, they could have quite easily um, made a mess of that with slop um, and, and they've actually done a really superb job. Yeah, mine is painted beautifully as well. I have absolutely no complaints. No, and I guess on to the head. Um, look, there's probably not a lot you could actually do with Storm's hair because she's got the white hair. They've basically gone for a bit of a, a grey tone uh, mixed in with the white, and there's uh, almost a complete lack of any wash, but uh, it actually works really, really well. Um, there's not a lot of detail to it. But probably the thing that people are the most uh, curious about is the face. Um, looking at her, she's got this red lipstick that is actually quite um, quite slick and uh, quite glossy, and they've done that quite well. There's a, a tiny little border around it that, that sort of shows a black border that just gives that slight contrast between the brown of the skin and the red of the lips, and that's just beautifully applied. Um, the eyes are always a worry. You know, you, uh, the way the eyes are, are actually applied by the painters, um, you can quite easily get that sort of Marty Feldman lazy-eyed look. Um, but particularly with, uh, I mean, this just could be me, but mine are absolutely flawless. Mm-hmm. She's, she's looking directly at me. She doesn't have that googly-eyed look. Um, and there's absolutely no slop in the eyes whatsoever. The paint is just absolutely flawless. Yep, mine's the same. Great yes, job, Sideshow. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Um, I don't know. Is there much else I can say? Um, I don't know. Have I missed anything? I think you've done a comprehensive job. <laughs> excellent. Excellent. She's actually very heavy. All these statues are very heavy once they're put together. Oh, oh of indeed. course, I, I didn't talk about the base. No. Um, the base... The base is an interesting one. Um, look, the base on its own, if you were just looking at it as a, a statue, an individual statue, it's superb. She's standing on a, a bit of a rocky outcrop, which has got some assorted flowers and plant life, and they're all beautifully painted, nicely touched up. There's no slop. Um, the rock is weathered um, superbly, basically. I mean, they really do make it look like a rock. Someone would have to spend quite a bit of time uh, creating that effect. Uh, this is probably the only negative... I have for this entire statue, and that is that um, Sideshow haven't been consistent mm. uh, with their bases. Now, people like um, Gambit, Rogue, Colossus all came on a flat circular base with the X logo on it. Um, it's a very bright and glossy base. However, their Wolverine and Cyclops statues both came on this kind of rocky base. Um, and so, if you were basic, if, if you were only collecting the premium format X Men statues, you'd really notice that lack of consistency. Yeah, yeah, I, I did think that. Yep. 
So a bit of a disappointment. Uh, look, to be honest, um, I'm quite happy with the, the Rocky um, base. That is that is actually my preference. I prefer something that looks like it's jumped straight off, you know, the page. People don't, you know, generally stand around on giant Xs, um, you know, <laughs> It's kind of part of my bugbear with the whole, you know, name written on the base thing. It's um, it's a lot more realistic like this. So that, that's a bit of a disappointment. Um, it's times like this I, I wish Sideshow would interact with their fans uh, the way Bowen does. Uh, I mean, this mm. is the sort of thing where if enough fans um, had have been consulted, they would have been vocal enough and, you know, and, and Sideshow could have gone, oh, okay, well, people would prefer the, the round X base to be consistent with the, you know, the last half a dozen statues we've released. So, but anyway, um, you know, can't lament on uh, what's done is done. So anyway, I'm going to throw this over to you, Scott. How many dollies? Oh, I'm giving it a 10. Yeah. yeah. Absolutely I- 10. Yeah, I, I, you know, I, I can't actually take any points off for the difference in base simply because, um, you know, it's it's a it's a lose lose situation. We've had rocky bases, we've had the circular X logo base. You have to go with one or the other. So, hmm. um, yeah, I'm I'm giving this ten out of ten dollars as well. Love it. Good job. Well, thank you very much for that, Ben, and what a great piece. Um, that concludes Try of the Week, and when we come back, we'll be talking about the new items that we've added to our collections this week. Izzy, over here. Indiana Jones at your service, Toad. Ah! <laughs> Indiana Jones and other action figures new from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, each sold separately. Watch him, Cairo, swordsman. Yeah, watch my swing. Yikes! All downhill from here, swordsman. You'll be sorry, Jones. Tricky again, Toad. Indiana Jones, Toad, and Cairo Swordsman action figures, each sold separately from Raiders of the Lost Ark collection, new from Kenner. Well, we're all here because we collect, so Feeding the Addiction is where we take the time to check in with each other and discuss any new acquisitions or pre-orders we've made. Now, Scott, you've picked something up this week? I have. Now, I, I actually, I didn't write my pre-order on the list, but of course I... Well, not of course, but I did pre-order the... Um, I haven't been on for a couple of weeks, so I've got a couple of weeks to cover. But I pre-ordered the Sideshow Premium Format Superman. Nice. Um, the With the... Oh, uh, yeah, so did I. What am I talking about? Yeah. <laughs> with, of course, the exclusive um, Red Twizzlers coming out of the eye version. Yeah, what's up with That's like Invasion uh, of the Body Snatchers. I, like... I get what they're aiming for, but I hope it'll get some tweaks between now and when it comes out. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, it's it's cool. I get what they're looking for, but yeah. it, it really does look like Twizzlers. Do you know what Twizzlers are? Yeah, those are red uh, licorice. Yeah, stuff. red licorice things. Yeah, coming out like. Um, so, but yeah, I pre-ordered that. That's just a given because I'm can't wait to get my Batman and Green Lantern. Mm. Um, I got a pile of loot from Big Bad Toy Store, um, which included the Marvel Select Venom, um, which is awesome. Um, and my Bushoju Huntress, because I haven't cashed out a pile of loot for a while. Um, so it's, a, I have to say the Big Bad Toy Star pile of loot is an awesome system. <laughs> it really is. Like just in terms of what it saves you on shipping, particularly when we're talking international shipping. Yeah. Um, it's, it's an awesome system. Um, so it's, it's kind of an incentive sometimes when you know things are coming to be like, oh, I'll wait. Oh, and, and, um, the I got the Bowen Warpath, which I haven't actually opened yet. I just picked that from All Star Classics. That's oh yeah, cool. But, um, but I also got my Gentle Giant Deadpool pen and pencil holder. 
<laughs> Excellent. And I took that to my new job to be, you know, just to be kind of like right out, out of the gate. This is who I am. Um, I don't, I've got my, like, I, not many people have actually been in my office yet. So <laughs> I'm waiting for someone to look at it and go, what the hell is that? Like, um, but it's very groovy, I have to say. Yeah. Um, yeah. great fun. I'm surprised. It's actually a really nicely sculpted, you know, piece. Like it's, it's proper kind of statue material yeah. and it's actually got oh, more. Okay. Yeah. It's got more than one piece to it. It has a base and it's like the neck and then the head sits on it. Um, oh. so, and it's a numbered edition. Um, so like, it's really fun, really. So it's basically a statue. It's basically a statue. It's very clever. And, uh, that is me. What about you? Cool. Um, thanks to our good buddy, Mike S. Actually, I'll go backwards a little bit and tell a bit of a crappy story first. And that is, um, I popped into my local comic shop where I've been getting my comics for many, many years and expected to pick up the, uh, the Marvel's, uh, uh-huh. I know exactly what you were going to say because this happened to me too. Yes, the Marvel Select uh, Venom, actually, sorry, the Rhino, I think, came out first. And uh, when I spoke to the owner of the local comic shop, they said that they didn't get any. And I said, well, that's a bit weird. And she informed me that Diamond uh, distributors in the US would no longer be sending Diamond Select items to her, Mm. in in particular the Diamond Select figures. And I said, well, I I don't understand. I mean, you get your comics from Diamond, so don't you get your toys from Diamond? And she said, well, they told us that it is now uh, no longer shipping outside North America item. Now, this is happening more and more frequently. People are buying up the distribution rights to these items, and so um, they're very limited in where they can send them. And I said, well, that's a bit strange. So um, who are you going to be getting them off? And she said, well, that's just it. I don't know. And I said, well, what do you mean you don't know? And she said, well, I asked Diamond, you know, does that mean someone has the distribution rights in Australia? And if so, who is it so I can start ordering from them? And they wouldn't actually give her the information. I had the identical conversation with my comic shop because I was expecting Venom and, you know, they were very apologetic because they didn't actually get advance warning of it. It was only when Venom didn't come that they did the research and found that out. Um, So... Boo to whoever is responsible. But what's even more bizarre is since then, um, obviously, the Rhino was first and and then we got Venom and, of course, my local comic shop didn't get Venom um, either and she still hadn't actually got any information. And so someone out there has the distribution rights. Now, if you've got the distribution rights for things like Marvel Select figures, don't you think that as part of your business model, you might, oh, I don't know, contact the you know the, the people who are likely to sell your product? Like, wouldn't you want to establish a customer base? So what kind of idiot gets the distribution rights to this stuff and then just doesn't bother contacting anyone? But just because you have the distribution rights doesn't mean that you actually have to use them. But then like, why would you do well, it? I don't know. It's a big, it, Maybe if they're bought in, in, in a package with something else, it's a bit like um, the Code of Bikia. Distribution rights, I know, like are held by someone in Australia who doesn't really use them. Yeah. So you know, you have to get them from, or you have to import them. Basically, um, it's well, ridiculous. Well, we we went on to have a bit of a conversation about the state of things like um, DC Universe Classics and Marvel Legends, uh, neither of which my my comic shop um, stocks. And uh, we got talking about Hasbro, and she basically said that Hasbro don't respond to her emails or her phone calls. She's she's basically just too small for them to bother with, so they just don't respond. Huh. And I just I, I find that just 
bizarre, absolutely bizarre. But anyway, um, that was a, a really long-winded way of saying that, um, you know, uh, thank Crom for our, our good buddy Mike S because <laughs> um, as soon as I found out I wasn't getting them, uh, I said to um, my local comic shop person, do you mind if I, you know, seek them elsewhere? And she said, look, go for it. So, you know, quick message to Mike S and sure enough, um, Mike shipped me out the Rhino and Venom and they're both bloody awesome. Very good. Very good. My yes. com- my rhino is sitting in my next pile of big bad loot. He's um, gigantic. I, I I, bet, I, he yeah. is a massive figure, a really nice figure, really nicely textured. And for such a big, heavy figure, um, he actually has quite a lot of articulation. So, um, look, I think what we might do is uh, when you've got yours in hand, we might uh, revisit it as a toy of the week. Cool. cool. Um, the other thing I got was my uh, Infernal Crisis Elongated Man. I haven't got uh, mine yet. Uh, yeah, my sea turtle must have um, picked up one of the uh, high-speed currents. So, oh, those sea turtles. Yeah. And um, he's a great figure. I, I don't mind. Um, you know, we probably haven't got as much as, as we might have if, um, you know, if Ralph had have shipped in, you know, a much earlier wave, we might have got a, a few extra pieces or if they had have made him a San Diego exclusive um, like they did Plastic Man. We might have got some, some add-on pieces. But, um, you know, for, for the limited tooling that's currently going on within the Infernal Crisis sub, I think um, it's not a bad figure. He's on the uh, one of the smaller bucks, so he, he doesn't have that sort of giant musculature um, of the bigger characters. And, oh, look, I think the, the hand, the, the sort of stretchy hand and the magnifying glass um, work well. The little magnifying glass actually works um, it, it does actually magnify, which is kind of fun. Um, yeah. How did you How did you work that out? You actually <laughs> tested it. Um, I took it out, and then I sort of noticed the, okay. something, the way it moved behind. And okay, that makes me feel um, better. Yeah, and, and look, this character is a win for me. <laughs> you didn't actually road test it. That's only. Yeah, <laughs> That's like, right. Yeah. Now let me inspect this and see if it actually magnifies. Yeah. When you asked me at the beginning of the show what I've been up to, I actually. <laughs> I couldn't bring myself to tell you that I'd been burning ants outside like, with my little very magnifying small, glass. Very small ants. That's right. <laughs> um, but, look, this figure is a, a huge win for me. As a universe builder, this is exactly what I want. These are the characters that I want. Um, I really couldn't care less, uh, you know, a, about the Sinestro Corps, Batman figures, etc. This is really what I want. So, um, you know, Maddie, I know we give you shit, but if these are the kind of figures that we're going to get, that's uh, a win for me. Mm-hmm. Very good. Yes. All right. Well, we did it. We did it indeed, and I guess, well, I was going to say, if no one has any other items to report, but there isn't anyone else to report anything. I, so um, I definitely don't. Maybe we should award another red card to something or someone in the toy universe. Let's do it. What is this, bizarro world? Red Carded is a chance to poke fun at the WTF moments in our hobby, be they unusual announcements, a complete fail action figure, or worse. This week, we're giving Maddie a week off, and handing out the penalty is Scott. <laughs> yeah, probably good to clarify that. Um, it's actually DC Collectibles in the firing line this week. We left one item off of the uh, news from their solicits this week, and that is a statue that is called The Kiss, um, or... Superman and Wonder Woman, the kiss before you get excited and think it's Gene Simmons or something. <laughs> um, so this now look, this is not a red card for the quality of this piece. It's a Tim Bruckner sculpt. Um, it's beautifully engineered in the way that Tim Bruckner does and it's beautifully sculpted. And I suspect this is going to sell like gangbusters, mm. but I, I'm, 
the reason I nominated it for a red card is because I feel like it is such a flash in the pan um, thing yeah. that I, I, you know, this is a gimmick. It's not going to be a lasting storyline element. I'll be highly surprised. I think they've just done this, you know, to make some press and in the lead up to the Trinity War storyline. And yes, it's Superman and Wonder Woman, but it just does not seem statue worthy to me when, you know, I know that DC Legibles is all about the new 52, but there are so many other um, things that could be done as yeah. opposed to this, that it's a bit disappointing. I absolutely agree. I, I look at this statue and the thing that jumps out to me immediately is just how well Tim has done the base. Uh, the, the base oh, it's is, beautiful. yeah, it, it looks like um, it's made up of clouds mm. and, and these two are coming up through the clouds and, you know, that's not an easy thing to do. And Tim has completely nailed it. It is, it is just superb. And, and to think, that kind of base has been wasted on this kind of theme is, is quite disappointing. I mean, this is something I'd love to see with, you know, just Wonder Woman coming up out of the clouds. And, I mean, I, I'm not a huge fan of DC New anyway. That's just personal preference. Um, but, you know, one of the titles I am reading is Justice League, and, and I'm really finding it a struggle. I'm, I'm really not just... I'm just not getting the vibe from, from Justice League. And, you know, this is an image um, that that's come from the justice league um, comic book and you know when i was actually reading it i just thought oh really this is your new and invigorating you know universe you're actually gonna make you know superman and wonder woman kiss it's like wow you know (laughs) i'm glad you pay some big name writer you know thousands and thousands of dollars to to Mm. come up with that concept but this this is a 250 dollar us statue yeah so and i mean it's big it's 200 um 250 Sorry, it's $250. It's uh, 14.3 inches tall, so yeah, it's a big piece. But, um, it, uh, yeah, I just it's disappointing. If you want to do something new 52, how about Aquaman and Mira? Yeah, you know, absolutely. I mean, that, you know, that, that, that uh, comic is highly successful, so why not piggyback off the back of that and give us something that is also, you know, got classic roots in it that, you know, I, w- I would – push old ladies out of the way to buy an Aquaman and Mira yep. statue. Um, maybe even into traffic, you know, like, uh, it, <laughs> um, but, but this, so anyway, I just, it, it's red carded worthy to me, you know, I bet there's lots of people that can't wait to buy it, but boo hiss as far as I'm concerned. Yeah. Same. Agreed. Well, DC collectibles have a red card. Indeed. Coming up after that well-deserved fail is our discussion topics of the week. RoboCop, part man, part robot, all cop. The ultimate in law enforcement, RoboCop and the Ultra Police, the only cops with rapid repeat cap firing. He's unstoppable. Battling the worst criminals, Headhunter and Nitro. (laughs) The Ultra Police, protected by Robo Armor, bring RoboCop even more firepower. In the fight for justice, nothing can stop. RoboCop. RoboCop and the Ultra Police, each sold separately with RoboCaps. Hey guys, John again. Last weekend, I was really happy that I got to go to the 2013 International G.I. Joe Collectors Convention, kind of unofficially called JoeCon, down in Indianapolis, Indiana, which if you know where I live, is not all that far away. So I was able to go down for just the day. I didn't get the concert or anything, but um, I was able to go down for the day, and it was kind of a good experience. Um, 
there were some good and bad. Probably the downside would be that the Hasbro presence was real small, and because of the ticket I had, I didn't get into any of the panels or anything, but they had essentially a table and one small case. Um, they showed some of the upcoming stuff. I got to see the new Tomahawk, which is like a, a helicopter. Gung-Ho and a couple of the other figures coming out. I'm sure that those figures are out on the web. If you want to go look them out, I'd suggest going over to generalsjoes.com. And uh, he covered everything real well. Justin's a good guy. And I actually got to meet him face-to-face, which was cool because I've talked to him for a long time on Twitter. Um, speaking of talking to people on Twitter, there was a lot of people there, and that was really my main reason for going, just because, uh, you know, I got to talk, I get to talk to people all the time. A lot of them are G.I. Joe fans, and it was kind of cool to see some of them in the same place. One of the first people I talked to was, um, somebody that I don't actually talk to a lot, and that is P-Love from Joe Customs. Uh, Joe Customs is a site that has, uh, customizing tips and tricks for specifically for G.I. Joe. Um, really cool stuff they had on display. Really cool. In addition to the regular um, custom competition they had going on at the, you know, at the convention itself, they had a number of their own pieces, you know, for display there as well. And I will put some of those pictures up on my website here in the near future. But I got a minute to talk to P-Love, so here, take a listen. And this is right from the con floor, so the audio is a little bit... Uh, the worst for wear. All right, I'm here with P Love from Joe Customs. Say hi. Hi, how are you doing? Um, we're going to ask him a couple questions. You're obviously a customizer and yes. a big customizer of G.I. Joe. Uh, what do you think draws people to the G.I. Joes for customs? I, I think initially it was the O-ring construction with the back screw. It, it's just so easy. You know, you unscrew it and you can make anything. I mean, hardly any of the figures aren't compatible. You know, there's some standouts, maybe a dozen, but you're talking about out of 600 unique figures, only a dozen of them aren't easy to fit into each other. So, yeah, as kids, as as soon as you found that you could unscrew the Take back, apart and yeah, you were switching arms if a thumb broke or if the rubber bit, you know, replacing rubber bands and stuff. Yeah, unfortunately, all my Indiana Jones figures lost their thumbs, and you couldn't replace them. Yeah, you so couldn't, couldn't do anything. Your Star Wars had chewed up hands and stuff like that. Yeah. Um, you guys have probably been to JoeCon before, but what what's your favorite part about coming here this time? You know, every year it's the same. It, you get to hang out with the guys that you talk to online and actually put the faces to the names and stuff. Like, I've never met you. You've never met me. But we, it's like, oh, yeah, I've seen the stuff you do. I appreciate that. It's nice to finally meet you. Yeah, so, I mean, that's kind of a big part of it when and, I came down here, too. So and you saw it again. For us, seeing the kids' faces when they're walking by, you know, the customs and stuff and getting excited yeah. about it, you know, grooming the next generation, that's always fun for us, too. So that's kind of why you guys are here. You're just kind of promoting the hobby of customizing and getting it out there for kids and yeah, adults yeah. and that's it we're not selling anything we're not trying to make money which kind of sucks because everyone talks about like how they're making money it's like we're trying to break even so yeah it Joe Declassified, they're, they're just showing off stuff. And it, it's trying to promote what we enjoy about the hobby. I'm trying to get it out to the, there to other people, other fans. If you were a toy collector but not a G.I. Joe collector, what would be the number one thing you would tell people to get into G.I. Joe? If I wasn't a G.I. Joe collector? Uh, you know, in the age when playsets are vanishing from the shelves... It's still the compatibility with vehicles and interaction, being able to have, you know, 
an army in two hands, you know? It, it doesn't matter whether it's G.I. Joe or Star Wars or Marvel Universe. You can still do things that are just impossible once you get to the taller scales. And, yeah, let's face it, financially, the 12-inch figures, you know, you're not building an army with those. Oh, no, no. So people can find you and your work over at uh, Joe Customs? JoeCustoms.com. What else should they know about the site? We've got tutorials and stuff. We have a wiki site that, you know, we have um, image files saved up. So if you want to make a custom, <laughs> Lance Sparknick is there. Uh, we're, we're just a community, and we don't frown. And there is no stupid questions. We know we all started off with bad paint and didn't know how to what we're doing. So, yeah, come on, ask questions, get involved, and sh for, show off your work. doesn't matter. Show it off, and you'll get better. Hey, thanks a lot. Yeah. Thanks for having me. And once again, you can check out all of their great stuff over at Joe Customs. Um, kind of the cool thing for me, you know, there there was a ton of shopping there, and I got to see things like a, a boxed flag and a vintage uh, Secret of the Mummy tomb set. Um, everything from 12-inch Joes to, um, you know, the three-and-three-quarter Joes, modern to vintage, everything in between. Uh, that was very cool. What I was a little disappointed in is I was really hoping to see, um, you know, people bring in more than just G.I. Joe stuff. And it, w it was kind of the opposite of what you normally see at, like, a toy show where, you know, you see a little G.I. Joe and uh, a little of everything else. It was a lot of G.I. Joe and very little of everything else. But... Um, you know, I did manage to kind of look through and see some stuff. The cool thing was, though, that there were a couple of people there that um, they weren't there to sell anything. And they were people like Joe Declassified, kind of showing off some of the development history of G.I. Joe. The Coil uh, Club was there, and they're a local Indiana G.I. Joe Collectors Club. And they have a convention coming up in the future here. Um, I'm hoping to get a couple of those guys on uh, in an interview before too long so they can tell us more about that. But um, probably one of the, the neater people I got to talk to was... Uh, Phil from uh, Yojo. If you're not familiar with Yojo, they are probably uh, the number one G.I. Joe Real American Hero reference site on the web. If you have a piece and you don't know what it is and it's G.I. Joe, you could probably figure it out there. Um, they have pictures of just about everything. Everything's really well cataloged um, by year, by alphabetical, by date. Uh, so you can kind of get in there and find anything you really want. Excellent site uh, for reference for your G.I. Joe collection. And I will let you listen to a bit of the conversation I had with him. Hi, I'm here with uh, Philip from Yojo.com, and if you're not aware of Yojo, it's probably the best reference site on the web for G.I. Joe figures. So uh, tell us a little bit about Yojo. Uh, well, Yojo is a site that primarily archives uh, G.I. Joe figures. So they largely the three and three quarter inch ones from 1982 to now. Uh, we're currently spreading out into adding in more of the 12 inch stuff from the 60s. And we've already got some of the 90s stuff on there on the site. Um, we also try to create a community with our forums and we've got a 
when content management, you can make checklists of what you have, what you don't have, and buy, sell, trade. Pretty much try and capture everything, be one stop stop shopping for everything you need GI Joe. Well, it, it definitely is, and I, I, I have to commend you on your who bit because uh, that is my favorite part. And if you're not familiar with that, it's awesome. You can locate pretty much any accessory that you've ever wanted to locate, that's for sure. Um, what do you think draws people to GI Joe? That's a good question, because I know even Hasbro has been struggling with that for the last few years. Uh, for me, it was kind of a safe version of maybe what my dad had to be, because he was in the Army when I was growing up, and my brother and I would just love dressing up in our little camouflage shirts and pants and going into the backyard and playing soldiers. I'm an Air Force brat, so I completely understand I've been that. finding a lot of people here tend to have had one of their parents in the military at some point, and I think it's just the way to us to relate to that, the whole American hero concept. Yeah, I know. That's a big part of it for me. Um, since our podcast covers more than just G.I. Joe, what, what would you tell a non-G.I. Joe f- uh, collector, but that is a toy collector. Why, why should they look at GI Joe for collecting? We've got ninjas. We've got. I, you know, some people don't necessarily like some of the '90s stuff, but man, I love things like Star Brigade. We've got people in space fighting aliens. I, you know, we've got a little bit of sci-fi. We've got a little action, little uh, martial arts, a little bit of everything in there. What? Yeah, that's kind of what it is for me. I mean, my, I tend to stay more than true military, but um, yeah, there definitely is some ninjas. In stuff so um what do you th- what's your thoughts on the convention what's the coolest thing you've seen so far uh coolest thing uh well aside from the yojo booth which i'm legally required to talk <laughs> um you know it's just being able to see some of those prototypes and unrevealed artwork that you just don't necessarily get to see around your own hometown or in the stores because the thought process that goes behind how to even make the toys and the crazy ideas they come up with and trying to get stuff out there well, cool. Well, thank you very much for taking a minute to talk to us. Yeah, absolutely. Thanks again for that interview. Um, you know, like I said earlier, there were some ups and downs. One of the downs was uh, the the floor layout was a little bit cramped, so you didn't always get to um, get into some of the booths and see everything that was going on, and there was some floor space that just seemed like it was wasted. But... Uh, you know, I managed to get around most of the day, and I actually had some friends there. Um, forum member and TVFT contributor more than was there. He was actually there for the whole convention, as well as uh, Vincent from Robots PJs and uh, Gray Matter Splat. Now, I didn't get a chance to sit down with more than, but he is going to be doing a series of articles for TV and film toys, and I will try and get him on in a brief interview at some point in the future as well. But I did get to sit down with Vincent from Robots PJs and Green Matter Splat and kind of talk about their convention experience. So here's that little bit of audio for you. Okay, I'm back, and I'm with Vincent from Robots PJs and Mike from Traumatics and Traumatics and Mag. And we're here at GI Joe, or the JoeCon still, and they were both attendees. One was, like me, a non registered attendee and one was a registered attendee and and vincent you were the registered attendee so it was uh, very special although i wasn't the uh, gold extra special with mayo sauce we saw one a couple minutes ago the one with the gold ticket the the gold did they have a big was it a big yeah the guy you were just talking to had a big gold ticket oh uh, yes yeah. That was an extra 300 bucks, I think. Yeah, but you get like triple the limits in the store. It must be nice. You so. mean the limits that they took off today? 
Yeah. Oh, did they? Yeah, yeah, but you could buy when they actually had in stock. Oh, yeah. You could buy the... The stuff that sold out. Now, now it's, it's just a matter of buying everything else. Yeah. That's... That's... I mean, I guess it's good money for them. You know? So, uh, what do you guys think? Good show? Uh, it's my first time I've been to a G.I. Joe convention, so not bad. It's the best G.I. Joe convention I've ever been to. Is this your first one, too? Correct. Okay. I would say I'm used to going to comic conventions that are larger, so I, I was expecting... I guess I was expecting something small, but not as small, but still it's pretty good for its size. I mean, calling it the international G.I. Joe convention does kind of bring up one's expectations yeah. of such an event. It actually, uh, the size of it reminded me a bit of, there's one here locally called In Conjunction, that's a science fiction fantasy convention that gets a fair amount of attendees and probably comparable to what we got here, but they're all Indianapolis-based. Oh, I was, wow. I, I'm really kind of surprised that, you know, for a convention this small, so many people have come from so far away. I will say, though, that in my regular convention-going experience, I try to look for G.I. Joe stuff in the, you know, seller booths, and it's really hard a lot of times. And here, it's the exact opposite. It's everything G.I. Joe that I've wanted to look at for the last several years at conventions. So, I mean, it might be smaller, but it's everything that the, I want The or Kokomo like. Toys booth was giving away shells for stuff. You yeah, know, like shells the, for the vehicles. Yeah. Yeah, that's pretty crazy. Um trying to think of what I was going to say next. Yes, like totally threw me off off topic. Sorry. Um, I do that. Yeah, we're good at that. What, um, I, I mean, I even noticed that, that I was looking for some non-G.I. Joe stuff, and it's pretty sparse in there. There's I did some, see some but... visionaries. Just I know, ago. that excited me. I took a, a couple pictures of that. And, and there was a Pulsar and some Super Friends stuff. But our I saw a, a Palisades Baron Karza that made me really sad that I basically gave mine away. Can't go wrong with Micronauts. Yeah. Which are really the start of G.I. Joe, right? Yeah, kind of precursor. Yeah, yeah, there you go. Um, what do you guys think? I mean, uh, for me, a lot of this was coming down to meet people like you guys. Um, what do you think has been pretty good turnout for that? Been good networking opportunity? Yeah, and I, I always, like, conventions are great for, you know, I always tell people, like, if I go down to C2E2, that I'm going to C2E2 for the buying some stuff and looking at comics or whatever. But it's the meeting the people that's the best part. Absolutely. You know, just networking and having a good time and all that kind of stuff. And it's really great, like, meeting you. I met uh, Mike before at C2E2. But uh, it's you talk, we you know, we talk all the time on social media, and you know, it's it's just great. It's to, nice to put an actual three-dimensional face to the name every now and again. Not all the time. Not all the time. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, it's cool to hang out, you know, not just online. So I, I yeah, definitely agree. It's also that. better when I don't get everybody lost going to lunch. Well, there was that, but <laughs> we'll, I'm from here. We'll, make, we'll make a movie sometime. Yeah, there you go. Um, what what would you guys? How would you describe it to a non-G.I. Joe collector? You're a non-G.I. Joe collector, so so what... Yeah, exactly, you should ask him. What's your your take on it? Is it craziness? Does it seem... Um, it actually, I was really impressed by the uh, uh, the art show type stuff that they've got. You know, they've got dioramas, and they've got uh, custom figures, they've got custom art. I mean, they had people doing art with some of the figures where one of them, I, my favorite one that I saw was... Uh, um, it was a photograph of one of the figures painting card art of one of the other figures who was posing. 
Yeah, that was a cool one. I saw that. I just some of that stuff is really inventive, and you don't see enough of that at some of the bigger conventions. It, it takes some of the focus like this to see some of that stuff pop up. Um, I've seen some of that at like bot cons when I've been to those back when they were still in Indiana. <laughs> yeah, and the the custom contest, obviously, I, I think that. I was just really impressed really between cool the dioramas and just the single I love toy finish. dios, and there was at least two that were incredibly impressive. That jungle one was really neat. Yeah, that jungle yeah, one, the, you could spend the, hours just looking at that. Probably well, not see everything. Guys with knives in their heads. and I mean, it's, Somebody went to town. Yeah, and then that uh, the one there was an airship, and it was all uh, steampunk. And, I know, you know, I kind of get tired of steampunk, but it was so well done. Like, and, and it was just, all the way around. It wasn't like one-sided stuff. No, they were a, right. They were thorough. Well, yeah. there was a one character who had a trench coat with tools all along in his belt, and each one of those, you know, you had he's customizing, you know, a, a little tool, you know, and there's twenty of them in the belt. It's it's pretty cool. Yeah, that's more patience than I. <laughs> yeah, <laughs> definitely. So, wh- what did you guys acquire? While you were here, um, I just picked up one of the Creo sets uh, for somebody. So uh, um, I, 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 I'm a bad geek sometimes. You're a nice guy, though. I am. Well, thirty-five dollars will do that. So. <laughs> I bought a ton of stuff. I got a lot of backlog of uh, vehicles, basically, that I've been looking forward to uh, purchasing for some time, and it's just all here. So I might as well get it while I'm here. And you got a, you got a lot of stuff where it was uh, maybe just the shell that you're gonna. I got a hydrofoil and- shell. And uh, I, I have probably 98% of one without the, the boat part. So I got all the missiles and all that kind of junk. So it's, when you get back to your hotel room, are you just going to rub it all over yourself? Yeah. You, yeah. Sweet. That is pretty accurate. You going to stay and watch? Maybe. <laughs> Whatever floats your boat. <laughs> the one thing I'm I upset about is I, I was going to have Larry Hammer sign a comic that um, I'm just going to call them... Uh, Flint and Lady J, the voice actors. I had them sign it yesterday, and I was going to have Larry Hammond sign it today, and I forgot the comic at the hotel. So I, I don't know what I, I have such a, you know, lack of brain sometimes. I, I didn't even want to go look at them because I was afraid if I'd look at them, it would ruin the illusion. Of Larry Hammond or, or the, the Flint and Lady J. I just didn't even want to do it. I talked to uh, him about the, uh, Flint about that, and he's he was just. Yes, I look nothing like them, and, you know, we still have an imagination, and the voice is 50% of it, at least for the cartoon. I met Peter Cullen once, and it blew my mind. Yeah? <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because he doesn't voice... look anything like what he sounds yeah. like. Yeah. And is his normal talking voice, like... It's pretty close to... I mean, when he's doing Optimus Prime, he basically is doing John Wayne. But, yeah, it's... Uh, uh, it, it, it's pretty close, yeah. He, he's a little higher. Although I think that's dropped down some over the years. Yeah, Flint it didn't sound like Flint, neither did Lady J. I feel really bad I'm not talking about they're saying their actual names, but Well eh. I, I can I can hear it in her voice when she was interviewed on uh, oh, both the, okay. the both the G.I. Joe podcasts. I could hear Lady J when she was talking and it it was just strange, you know. That's that's definitely it's cool that they're here and you can just, you know, meet them. They seem real personal. I wish there would be more of them, you know. But... Yeah. I think they try, uh, I, this is just a guess, but it, it seems like they try to get the people that are related to their sets, because there's a Lady J uh, well, figure sure that's movie-based, too. too. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, I'm sure it is, especially in this case. And I think it was their first time here. Wouldn't it's, surprise me. Yeah. yeah. So hopefully we gave them a good impression. I don't know. 
a lot of those voice actors, you know, they're just working actors. They they just do it, and I, I it's interesting because there are some of those guys like Rob Paulson, who's a big time voice actor, has a podcast now, and he seems constantly amazed by how much people actually love the stuff that he does. So I mean, I think those guys just I think they just love the appreciation. It's like, oh, wait, people actually notice. Yeah, yeah, you could just be doing your job every day, and you don't get anything, and then yeah. you, you go to here, and you're just getting praise after praise. Well, you know? I mean, it's just like anything. I think the Internet's opened that up. You know, like like toy sculptors and stuff, we know more about them today, and designers, and, and kind of the behind-the-scenes people, and the same thing with the voice actors, you know? People didn't know who they were 20 years ago, and they, there was no way they could find out. It was just the name on the credit. And you had to be really good to be able to see it, because it would zip right by. Yeah, you had to like VCR it and frame by frame it, and hope Back that the, the, yeah. and hope that it wasn't the like scrolled wasn't, out. Yeah. yeah. Well, to all the voice actors that listen to this show, we love you, <laughs> and I'm sure we do love you, and we appreciate you listening. Um, just to kind of wrap up a little bit here, any you have clo- to get in there, uh, just make a final run, a spending run through. <laughs> um, what? Any last thoughts for people listening? I would say if you like GI Joes in the convention is within driving distance to check it out. I drove about five hours to get here, and uh, I would say that uh, it was worth it. So I live about seven miles from here, so <laughs> it was worth it for you. Huh? It was worth it for me. Okay, I did have to make a rundown because I didn't realize the admission was cash only. So I didn't either. I had so. to make a rundown to the ATM, and then the ATM was broken, so I had to run across the street. Oh so, man! But still, you know. Uh, I, when I got in line at quarter till, the line was huge, and uh, when they started at ten, and then by ten thirty, even after all of that, I walked—I mean, I walked straight I was, up and handed in my ticket, my ticket money, and walked in. So. I was surprised that line didn't last longer because it was huge. Because I could just go in because I had my not as special, but the special pass, and I just left you in the dust. Yeah, I was like, screw I, this. I understand. <laughs> now, I tweeted about how quickly the line was moving before I found out that I was going to have to go get money because um, I didn't find out till I got up to the front. Um, but, uh, uh, somebody tweeted back, uh, about, uh, apparently last year it was really bad. And so they just learned. Oh, so, so bring cash is a lesson. Bring cash is a lesson. I think yeah. that's any convention really. So. Well, I came in with the expectation I was going to try not to spend money. So, so, you didn't bring any so I didn't really bring paper any paper money. Yeah, that's, that's smart. Well, where can they find, where can our good listeners find you guys? Okay, I'll go. Uh, you can find me at the robots PJs on Twitter or the robotspajamas.com. It's a hilarious geek-related blog. It is pretty great, and you'll have a lot of pictures up there too, right? Oh yeah, I'll have tons of Jokan pictures. Uh, I'll be snarky because that's my bread and butter. Gotta go with what you're good at. Exactly. I, I'm Gray Matters Flat on Twitter. Uh, I'm also on the Traumatic Cinematic uh, web uh, uh-huh. podcast. That's the word I'm looking for. Um, and that's just traumaticcinematic.com. Well, thank you guys. Appreciate you taking the time to talk to me. No problem. Anything for you. <laughs> Thanks, guys. And as you heard, you can, you can find them on their own. Uh, podcasts and websites so please go check them out they're good friends on twitter and um they're a couple of great guys like i was saying more than's going to be having some uh articles coming up uh kind of cataloging his experience at the convention because it was his first joe con and he is a huge gi joe collector so um if you see him say hi and uh, make sure i will make sure to post links to 
his articles and make sure and check him out because um, I'm sure as a first-time convention goer, he will have plenty of insight there. Um, I had a good day. I bought a couple of things. I, I bought a parachute figure and I bought a snake armor, in case you're wondering, uh, and some art cards. I actually bought some uh, G.I. Joe like, card art cards that were like reproductions from a previous convention. Neat stuff. Um, my, only, my only big disappointment was they were sold out of t-shirts my size by the time I had got there at the club store, so I did not manage to get the Adventure Team t-shirt I wanted. But that's okay. I will live. I have plenty of other t-shirts. Um, I also wish I had had the money to get the uh, 12-inch convention set because everybody thinks the Dr. Evil figure looks like me, but um, I'm not sure why. So as that's pretty much it. Had a great time. Hope you enjoyed these little audio tidbits. And uh, this is John signing out for now saying, yo, Joe. Duke's in trouble. Scramble the Storm Eagle. A G.I. Joe Storm Eagle has a hidden water cannon that shoots up to 20 feet. But the Cobra Liquidator's making a splash, and the Parasite's launching catapult missiles. Mobilize the Patriot! It's the G.I. Joe Patriot with a huge mortar cannon that really fires! G.I. Joe Patriot, Storm Eagle, Cobra, Parasite, and Liquidator sold separately. I found the Barracuda! But Duke's gone! So glad you could join us! <laughs> Well, this past week saw the passing of Carmine Infantino. The uh, the legendary artist and editor was revered by comic fans and pros alike, and he's credited with playing a significant role in the 50s DC overhaul uh, of superheroes that is now known as the Silver Age of Comics. Um, now, his cover to Showcase Number 4, which introduced Barry Allen as The Flash, is one of the most popular and, and well-known covers of all time. And uh, a few short years later, Infantino uh, also penciled Flash 123, which introduced Earth 2 uh, and also reintroduced Jay Garrick, the Golden Age Flash. And the cover of the issue featuring both speedsters was immortalised in statue form by DC Direct. And uh, Scott's going to talk to us about it. Thank you. This is something that I have actually had for probably about nearly six months and have not opened um, for the simple fact that by the time I uh, finally got this statue, um, which is one that I have watched different auctions for on eBay for a very long time um, and finally managed to get this through a an accepted best offer, um, by the time I actually got it, I, I knew that we were moving and so I had stopped kind of stopped unboxing big stuff that I knew I'd only have to um, pack up again and it didn't really fit in my display as I had it because I didn't have, you know, stacks of space. So I've only actually finally just unpacked this now um, and the the impetus for doing it was the, the passing of Carmine Infantino. Um, and one, when that happened and we were talking about this episode, I thought, well, you know, this is a good opportunity to acknowledge that but do it in a toy way, um, because that's what we're on about. But also it finally gives me an excuse to actually open this thing up. For those who aren't familiar, this is one of the very early DC Direct statues. It was produced in 2000. Uh, when DC Direct started off, they did some very complex and large multi-character statues that reflected some of the famous covers and famous events in DC Comics history. So, for example, there was a whole um, series of Superman statues from Jor-El and Lara putting uh, 
baby Kal-El um, into the de- departure from Krypton uh, rocket. There's a whole diorama statue of that. And then there's an arrival in Smallville statue of Ma and Pa Kent finding him. Um, there's a Supergirl's arrival um, piece. Um, the, the, they're all Tim Bruckner pieces as well. And uh, then there's this, and this is the recreation of that very famous cover to Flash 123, which was the uh, reintroduction of Jay Garrick um, to modern DC continuity, but more importantly, uh, the birth of the DC multiverse. Um, so the, the this cover, if you haven't seen it, is that uh, there's some calamity happening. There is a guy on the ground with his back to us um, who is about to be squashed by a uh, collapsing brick wall and falling steel girder and he is calling out for help from the Flash and then you've got Barry Allen on one side and Jay Garrick on the other both saying I'm coming, racing towards him Um, and this statue is a very faithful 3D recreation of that uh, piece and it is freaking amazing Um, it comes in just, just a few pieces the uh, fellow who uh, I've shown this to my daughter today and she was obsessed with like, who, who's the guy wearing blue? Who, who is he? And I'm like, oh, I, don't, <laughs> I don't know, honey. I don't think he's, he's just like, you know, citizen number three, but <laughs> why that's famous DC comics editor, Julia Schwartz. <laughs> <laughs> that's right. That's right. Um, but I, I, it's interesting. I imagine that um, b- because we only actually see, his back in the comic, but obviously being 3D, um, Bruckner would have had to do a little bit of design to actually, des- you know, decide what he looked like at the front um, as well. He's actually joined to the base um, of the the statue, so he he is part of the base along with most of the brick wall. And then the separate pieces are the steel girder, which attaches with a couple of bricks to the top of the wall. And then the two flashes. And they are really cleverly engineered because they actually don't fit into the bottom of the base. They actually join to the brick wall. Um, so the, each one has a, um, a brick attached to their hand, the hand that's closest to the wall um that as as a running past um so what what it does is it joins them really securely to the base but it also gives them the appearance of running because they're not actually touching the ground yeah yeah so it, it's very very cleverly done and then um behind it there is it, it comes with a version of the cover um that obviously doesn't that has the the title and the the numbers and all the comics code bits on it and it has a little bit of the background but obviously not the characters so that you can put that behind it and really create a 3d um piece one of the things that that i'm just blown away by in this is the the level of design and of course we know tim bruckner is just a bloody genius um but the level of design down to when you look at the um, the two flashes, their line of sight, they are both looking directly at the guy. Um, mm. you know, they, they, there's not a detail missed in this. Uh, it, it, it's just an exceptional piece. 
Yeah, and I like the idea of um, the, that backing card um, being sort of removable. So depending on you know how you like to display your statues, you, you can choose to to really. Um, replicate that cover or, you know, do away with that backing card and, and just have a statue. Yeah. Yeah, exactly. You can. You don't have to have it. Uh, mm-hmm. But it, but it, it adds a... I don't know if I actually will display it with the, the the piece on. I'm not sure if it, you know, ultimately as a visual thing is necessary. Um, but certainly, you know, it's, it's a great touch and it really... It does add to it. Um, yeah. You know, it's a mine. I got a little, little bit cheaper because one of Jay Garrick's um, helmet wings has snapped off and needs to be glued back on. Oh, okay. um, so, which I'll I'll do um, very carefully. Um, <laughs> I, I, you know, repairing statues is a topic that we plan to talk about at some point, and it's such a scary, scary thing because it can go so horribly wrong. Um, yes. Yeah, but um, you know, it is a it's a really really nice piece. I'm absolutely blown away by the the quality of it, and it's a shame that you know cost etc means that we don't get a lot of pieces like this anymore, unless it's a modern thing of Superman and Wonder Woman kissing. Um, <laughs> but we won't go there again. No, no. <laughs> but I thought it was timely just to to talk about this, um, because uh, you know, of course, Carmine Infantino, um really I think was responsible in many ways, certainly for um resurrecting the Flash, but but really I think for creating, you know, the Silver Age of Comics and the 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 redesigns that he did and the the job that he did to actually bring some of these characters back to the forefront who really had, you know, faded away, um, is a, a lasting legacy. And it's great just from a toy perspective to see that something, you know, like that has that iconic cover has been captured in a piece like this that is incredibly clever. Yes, indeed, indeed. Rest in peace, good sir. Rest in peace, and thanks for for everything that you did for us, and thanks to DC Direct as well for um, you know an amazing piece like this. Yeah, we red card them and then we thank them. That's how we do it. <laughs> That's right. Well, you know, it's the, we we give and we take. You know, it's it's all a, <laughs> a, a mutual respect thing. But you exactly. know, is we are um, you know, Ben and I in particular, you know, our, our gateway drug to this toy stuff is the comics. And, uh, you know, that's, that's where the, the love comes from. And, yeah. um, you know, this, I think anybody who, uh, has a, a passion for any of these major DC characters, whether they know it or not, probably owes a little bit of a debt to Carmine Infantino for, um, what he did for these characters back in the day. Oh, for sure. Yep. For sure. Sweet. Cool. Well, I think that that's probably enough on that. We've had a we've had quite a big show with a number of things to chat about, but we did want to just acknowledge um, the passing of a legend and also acknowledge this great piece. So, thank you very much, and uh, we'll be right back in a moment with some feedback before we wrap things up for good. It is a time when those who control the magic control destiny. When spectral knights battle evil darkly. Visionaries from Hasbro. 
before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear your questions, comments, or suggestions on future episodes, just email us at podcast at actionfigureblues.com and you might just hear it right out. Our first bit of feedback tonight is from David Carmichael, and he says, Hey, guys, thank you so much for educating me on shipping costs. I'm seriously considering collecting G1 Transformers, particularly the bases, but for some reason I never took into account the cost of die-cast. Thanks for the heads up. Mm. Yeah, the last thing you want to be doing is shipping metal. Yeah, most heavy. Yeah, and it's an interesting one with shipping because um, most people just automatically assume that weight – uh, it is the big issue, and, and, and obviously it is. If you get a, a heavy statue, it's going to cost you. But um, just about every freight company on earth also works on the cubing rule, uh, and that is that it doesn't actually matter how much something weighs. If a box is of a certain size, you're going to pay a minimum shipping no matter what um, because that item takes up space in, in um, you know their containers. Yeah. So it, it's a, a double-edged sword if you've got a big box and it's heavy. It is so something to watch out for. I'm glad we could help you, David. And Ben, you've got our other piece of feedback. A question. Yes, I do. It's from Shell Brown, and she says, why is it so hard to find a Captain Comet figure uh, in the red tights, and does anyone have one? Um, well, yeah. the, the main <laughs> thing that comes to mind is that there isn't one, um, which is really unfortunate because Captain Comet is one of those characters who pops up time and time again in, in requests um, you know, in, in top ten lists and that sort of thing. You know, he is a popular character and he deserves a figure. However, does anyone have one? As a matter of fact, um, Justin, our, our good friend uh, Night Owl from the uh, AFB podcast, um, he did a very cool custom of Captain Comet. Uh, if you go to the AFB forum and, and have a bit of a look around uh, under Night Owl's uh, customs, you'll find a Captain Comet that was, um, yeah, very, very nice. If um, Club Infinite Earths keeps going for any length of time, I wouldn't be surprised if we saw a Captain Comet because it's one that, you know, is a popular request and also would not require a great deal of tooling um, no, to do. No, he wouldn't, would he? I mean, really, you know, the... In addition to the, I guess, his pistol holster, you've got those little sort of bands around his shoulders. Yeah. But um, beyond that, there's actually not much. And and th- there must be some other character they've already done that's got those shoulder bands, I wouldn't think. Mm. Uh, they wouldn't be hard to do. So, But, yep, that, that's why it's so hard, Shell, because there isn't one. Yeah, unfortunately. Sorry. Well, thanks for that. Thanks, Ben. It's been an absolute pleasure once again. And, yes, uh, thank you. We hope you all had fun listening to all the different bits and bobs of episode 60. Yes. Yay. Yay. Bye, everybody. <laughs> Bye, everyone. See ya. And Superman's mum's name is not Ethel. No. And, uh, yeah, speaking of mums, give yours a call. <laughs> M- make sure she's okay, huh? Indeed. Bye. Bye. The Action Figure Blues podcast can be found on iTunes and Stitcher Radio and downloaded direct at actionfigureblues.com by clicking on the podcast tab. If you do listen to us on iTunes, please take a moment to leave a positive rating and review. We also have an active fan forum at afbforum.com where you can join in with all of the hosts of the podcast and many other collectors to discuss news, new releases, old lines, and engage in trades and sales in a safe community. Please join us there. While you're at actionfigureblues.com, please don't forget to check out our sponsors like Mike's Comics and Stuff, ShelfLife.net, and the Pop Culture Superstore, who help keep our site running. You can also find us on Twitter at AFBlues and on our Facebook page at facebook.com forward slash actionfigureblues. Thanks for listening. 
coming to you live from the brand new state of the art AFB. Oh, damn it! What am I saying? <laughs> Studios. Okay, <audio>. Lighthouse. <laughs> <That's> a... <laughs> AFB cave. Telegraph station. <laughs> AFB tower. Switchboard. <laughs> Ramshackle hut. <laughs> <laughs> well, that went well. Oh, okay. Oh, God, it's going to be a long night. <laughs> I'm Scott. And I'm Ben. And in this episode is... Oh, fuck. Dude. <laughs> oh, you, you, you divert from the script and it goes to hell. Well, before we get to our main... Oh, I didn't count in. Dun, dun, dun! <laughs> you know, I cut... We, we're, I'm cutting the Superman's mum's name. Yes, I know, but that's why. I, just, I decided to throw that out anyway. <laughs> <laughs> that could be your new tagline. <laughs> Superman's mum's name is not Ethel. <laughs> Just to really confuse people. <laughs> well, before we finish off, we have some feedback from our listeners to share with you. If you'd like to hear our your ha 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 hey hey oh okay, that'll work, won't it? 